enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. For those of you tuning in for the first time, my name is Aaron. I'll be your host tonight as we discuss comics. In particular, we're going to be uh, talking about the inevitables. Uh, and we'll get into that just a little bit later. Just want to get through this real quick. The Temple of Geek Podcast has been around since 2012. Here we discuss and celebrate fandoms and all things geek. And for our returning listeners, thank you for tuning in. With me today, once again, third week in a row, we got two special guests. Uh, and, and they have some some very illustrious intros, and I want to make it through all of these. And, and as we always do, ladies, first, first we have Liana Congas. She's a comic artist, a dog mom, most known for her work on Vault Comics, as she said, Destroy, as well as co-writing a title for TKO, doing art for the likes of Image, 2000 AD, A Wave, Blue World, Black and Black Mask. She's been featured on Sci-Fi, Artist Alley, Pace Magazine, Vice, and our friends that were at Nerdist. Did I get everything, Liana? I believe so, but if I okay. remember something, I'll definitely let if you If you remember know. anything, let me know. Also, we have on the show John O'Diener. We have a very, very funny story about how he told me how to pronounce his name. He's a comic book writer and a world-traveling musician out of Flint, Michigan. He's played in bands like The Swellers, Baggage, and No Trigger. Diener put together a comic for Flint, Hope, released by Source Point Press, and is featured in the anthologies Maybe Someday, A Wave Blue World, and Everything is Going Wrong, Comics on Punk and Mental Illness, in addition to his self-published titles, Monster Bounty and Jetpack Zack. Jono, how you doing? I am great. Thank you for saying all that stuff about me. I, I love having people have everything that they've ever done being said out in such a scripted way and stuff. So I had fun reading all of that. If I, if, I missed, if I missed anything for either of you guys, please just drop it in and, and we'll, we'll just, we'll just name drop everything we've ever done. All right. How are you guys doing today? Thank you guys again for coming on to the show. I'm doing good. good. Yeah. Right. Cool. Cool. So it's funny, Jono and I like vaguely talked during the day. So it's kind of weird to hear him say, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> 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 I said we're good too because I was answering on our behalf. <laughs> I was like, we're working together on a comic, we're, so we we have the same feelings at all times, right? <laughs> so all you guys have just been in symbiosis throughout the whole entire process. So now you're just one person. Exactly. That's how one makes comics. Yes. <laughs> speaking of now, speaking of now, you guys have made a comic book together. We'll we'll, we'll talk more in depth about that. But I, I do want to ask, just for our listeners and for me, just being a lifetime comic reader myself, uh, how did you guys get into the creation process of of comics? So, so when you say creation process, like, do you mean uh, like getting into making comics? Getting into making them, yes. Sure. Uh, so, my background is kind of wild. Uh, the super expedited version of it is I was in a band most of my life. Um, while I was in a band, I was also doing freelance writing for um, Alternative Press, Vice, and a few other places. So I was doing uh, articles and that kind of thing and interviewing other people because I love telling people stories. While I'm in a band, I'm also doing all the visual identity stuff. So like the album artwork, uh, the concept of the albums, lyrics, and all that. Then I started realizing, hey, what if I did this for a fictional world instead of you know making it about 
myself and my feelings and all this stuff. And I take all of my expertise from both sides and put it into one thing. Uh, so for me, that was comics. And initially, you know, I was already a fan, but music kind of took over for a really long time for me. And mm-hmm. I always trace it back to the time my mom sold all of my action figures at a garage sale. And <laughs> one of my neighbors, she bought $300 worth because I had $301 action figures. So like oh, my wow. whole childhood was like, yeah, it was like sold in about five minutes. And I was like, I guess I'm a drummer now. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, so for, you know, for years I was like going around the world doing all this cool stuff. And then I was always like, I also like being a hermit and sitting in my office and just writing stories and working with other people. And like the collaborative process was always super fun for me. So I got a bunch of friends together. We put a comic together called um, a comic for Flint Hope and Source Point Press put it out for us. And that was kind of the start for, for me. How am I going to follow that up? I know you, you, you chose, that was the life you chose. You told him to go first. So that's true. Good luck, yeah. Liana. I, you know, I'm a big comic collector too. I know we haven't met yet. So um, you don't want to see how many short and long boxes I have. However, my original uh local comic shop was really great rick the owner was good at fostering like a really good environment and would often offer like you know regulars to work for um store credit or you know help out at conventions which was really fun and so i got to see that side of things and i was always into into art and drawing and stuff like that but i had originally wanted to do fine art and so getting to know the comics world was really fun and I definitely was like interested, but it always seemed a little bit out of reach in terms of like a possibility for a career. Um, But I was lucky in that my partner in 2014, we moved to Canada um, near Toronto. So uh, I was able to go full-time freelance and I was like, well, I mean, I'll do illustration. But at that point I had started wanting to make my own stories and I kept comics were the only thing that were keeping me sane in a totally different country, not knowing anybody. So right. it was kind of nice to pick that up and start, you know, collaborating with like my best friend, James from uh, college. He's a comic writer. And so I was like, Hey, can you write me this thing? I really want to draw. And so we were collaborating on that together and it was really fun. And now it's kind of cool because he colors comics and stuff. And it's almost full circle in that the first thing that really got me into this career and stuff like that is that he's like kind of there with me um, even now still. And um, I think around the time when I did start doing that, I had met Jono maybe a year into it. Uh, We were kind of paired up for a project. So it's kind of cool. Um, But really it was just, you know, I want to tell the story. And so I guess I just have to do it. And so that's what you do in your free time is drawing comics. Nice. So um, how long have you guys been in the, the comic, comic creation game? For me, it's been, I've been starting like the fledgling version in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then 2017 is when I started having like actual things being made and put out into the world. Okay. That's actually the same for me. <laughs> oh, nice. I had moved, uh, moving back from uh, Canada back to the States and around the same time, I think I had started that thing with James and then eventually, probably a year later, had met Jono, which is around the time when I had done the Mine Anthology and um, 
I think a couple other smaller, like, you know, work for hire pitch projects and things like that around 2017, I think is like the main year where that started. Okay. So now that moves on to my next question. What actually got you guys into the medium of comic books? Like what, what was like the first book that got you being like, oh man, I'm kind of hooked on this. And now every Wednesday I got to spend all my money at the comic book shop. There's a few like instances that I can remember where I would like keep going back to the comic shop. And one was, I think, uh, definitely Spider-Man comics when I was a lot younger, you know, in like the 10, 9 to 10 range. And okay. then, um, you know, just picking up, you know, Archita's Digests or things like that, things that were on a spinner rack. Like I didn't realize that there were stores that had comics, you know, comics. You stores. sound like, you um, sound like then... me. Like... <laughs> yeah. And I think at one point I had read, there was a Batman comic that I read and I was like, oh my God, I love Robin. So I like bought any like, <laughs> you know, uh, staple run. So like Robin year one and stuff like that was like one of my first ones. And then I read some indie comics. So uh, 30 Days of Night was one that really drove me to be like, I really want to buy like random new comics. So that read that led to like Why the Last Man and um, I remember there was a uh, phonogram at the time when that had come out. I was like, this is the greatest comic ever. Um, just because it was a lot different than capes, you know, and from right. what I was used to reading capes all the time, it not that it got stagnant for me, but I just didn't realize that that whole world existed. Cause at that yeah. point, I think I only really knew that like, you know, different types of stories like that existed in, in like anime and like manga mm-hmm. and so to see indie comics was like a revelation for me and for those who don't know capes are basically just superhero books like your marvel and dc books and stuff um in the comics world we call them capes so if you didn't know that you learned something new today Jono. and you know to comment on the capes thing that's also a thing i wear when no one's watching and i'm just like, <laughs> doing work by myself um so uh see you got to be like me man i wear mine when everybody's watching you got Live your truth, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so here's my thing, right? Like, I don't leave the house, so no one can watch. Ah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and, you know, for once I can say it's not because I'm a hermit, but because of um, the world. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> uh, right? so my, <laughs> my intro to comics. Uh, so even though I was into, like, the action figures and, like, all of the comic adjacent things as a kid, um, I remember... I would go to my friend Johnny Brockman's house and his older brother was like, if I remember correctly, it was like 10 years older or so. And it was the time when like Spawn was first coming out, when all the action figures were coming out and Metallica was super big. I mean, obviously they've always been big, but this was like the like bad boy era where you're like, yeah, I love the Metallica, whatever. So I remember seeing like this cool older kid and all he would do is talk about Spawn over and over again. And we're like, what is that? And then one day he brought back the action figures and it was like the McFarland toys ones. And mm-hmm. they blew my mind. I was like, this guy looks like evil Spider-Man. I love this. And it's not Venom. It's a, And then I not realizing that this is the dude that, you know, co-created Venom and stuff. Um, so we, I just got obsessed with the action figures, which led me to realize that they're based on a comic. And then that was the first time I started getting comics. And then the movie came out and then we did all this comic trivia. My brother and I won like <laughs> the soundtrack that had like Marilyn Manson on it. And got, like, <laughs> yeah. that. We're like, we're so sick. Um, so, you know, that was my like initial introduction. And then, like I mentioned before, like I, I wasn't a regular comic purchaser because I a, had no money 
And for right. years, I kept wanting to go back. Um, so this is kind of a bonkers story, but my first Comic-Con I ever went to, I was in Singapore. And and it sounds like a name drop, but I always preface it with, it's for the sake of how bizarre everything is for me. Uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so get ready for it. So <laughs> uh, my band was on tour with the band Paramore, and we were in Singapore. And at the airport, uh, there was this guy who was, like walked up to us and he was like, Hey, you know, I, I recognize you. Um, we're putting on a Comic-Con. Um, you know, it's in Singapore. So I think it's actually by the hotel you're staying at, which I assume this is where all like the tourists stay. And we're like, oh, yeah. Turns out that dude was C.B. Sabalski from Marvel, who's like, oh, big deal at Marvel now. Yeah. Uh, so I had all these moments like that to where like I remember like walking around this convention and like picking up like Walking Dead books and stuff and being like, I want to get this. And I'd flip it and be like 20 bucks, a little too rich for my blood. And I put it down because like even though I was doing world traveling stuff with the band, it didn't mean we get to like keep any of the money, you know? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I was like asleep on my like sleep on our friend's floor, eat Taco Bell guy. So like comics mm-hmm. just seemed expensive. Um, and then as uh, my band was kind of like coming to an end, like in it was like 2014 or 2015. Um, that's when my friends kept talking about comic stuff because they're in the movies and whatever. And I remember specifically um, my uh, friend Kyle Fagley, he used to write for like CBR back in the day. Um, he's a Michigan dude and gave me like a stack of comics. And like, I actually, <laughs> I still have them on my shelf. So it's been years since I've uh, hung out with him, but uh, it was like um, a Grant Morrison justice league book. It was sex criminals. It was like a few other things. And it just like, I was like, I, I didn't know comics could do this. This is insane. And yeah. it wasn't just like, here's just flying guys, whatever. So for me, my first, like, one I really fell in love with um, as, like, you know, adult re-entering comics, uh, Tom King's Vision. It's, like, one oh, of yeah. my favorite series I've ever read. And, I like, again, I didn't know you could do that with comics. And then reading Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, I was like, this is me. Like, I'm a lovable dumbass, I think. Like every I time I read that, all I can yeah. think of is you. <laughs> that's the that's the storyline where he's like a landlord, right? Oh yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> that that kind of just like kicked my ass and I was like, I could write this. I, I literally am a writer. That's my job. Right. Why can't I do this for fun and create stories? So that, you know, not only is what really got me back in, but like inspired me to want to do it myself. Okay. Yeah. And so, so you guys' stories kind of both parallel my own because, like, uh, Liana, like, I, I started reading comics. I didn't know that. Well, I knew that there were comic book stores. I've seen them in, like, movies and stuff. However, there weren't any around me in my neighborhood in Chicago. The closest thing we had was, like, the Walgreens. And they had, like, this spinner rack full of, like, comics. They never got them on a regular basis. You just had a random comic on there. And then they had, like, the Archie Digest and stuff. Uh, my first comic book was Ninja Turtles 27. I still remember that. And it was like the Archie comics run of it too. So it wasn't like the Mirage comics, the real Ninja Turtles and stuff. It was like the more cartoony okay. ones. I just read it. It's like the Ninja Turtles were fighting the Wolfman for some odd reason. There was never any instance where they were fighting the Wolfman or whatever. And like as I got older and like found comic book stores, I think I was like 16. I was working in downtown Chicago and I finally found one. And I actually had money to spend on them now. Got into that, got back into reading Ninja Turtles. Where they at the time they were with uh, Image at that point, and the Image Ninja Turtle series was fucking weird. Uh, like Donatello was a cyborg and shit. Uh, Leonardo, uh, Raphael lost an eye. It was all it was all over the place. 
and got into like reading X-Men. And then I started reading Spawn was another one too. I actually paid to go see that movie in theaters. That is something that I have to grow up with knowing that I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, because like back then you saw you, any superhero movie you got was like, okay, I gotta go see this oh, because yeah. we don't get yeah. superhero movies like that. So when Spawn came out, I was like, oh yeah, I gotta go see this. John Leguizamo's in it. This can't go wrong. Yep. And, <laughs> I was about to be like, John Leguizamo is clown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. I remember John thinking that the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man was going to be great and I left the theater still thinking it was great now looking back I'm like oh right God. it's hard to go back my and brain look was at- not developed <laughs> yeah mm. I looked at the original X-Men not too long ago and I was like wow we 20 years ago we just liked anything like yeah you know I want to mention uh that I'm very envious of people that remember the exact first comic book that they ever read because there is no way speaking of brain retention there's no way I'd be able to remember that oh so I I commend you on that I only remember it because it was like was one of the things like it was I'm really close with my dad uh, and he he bought it for me, so I was like, "Oh, this is this is special. Aww. I'm gonna treat this with a lot of respect." And I totally did not. I was drawing like high top fades on the Ninja Turtles and stuff. I'm nine years old. I don't know, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm drawing high top fades and I'm making them look like people in the hood and stuff. It's all good. But shave money signs on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they had like all the Ninja Turtles had like themes and stuff at the time in the toys, and they had this like rock and roll group. So I was like, I'm gonna make my comics look like that. And and Jono, I my heart goes out to you when I hear that your mom sold three hundred of your action figures for a dollar a piece because I know in my mind you probably couldn't got them way more than that <laughs> like oh, on yeah. some of these figures. So, so this is where it gets funny. So uh, we had these boxes of like specific ones that we just saved that like you know had value or whatever. And I remember, uh-huh. <laughs> so like in my garage, I have two of those boxes. And then now I have a nephew. So uh, my brother will bring his son over to my parents' house who like just actually they were in Valparaiso. So they're like nearish, you know, Chicago, Um, but they just relocated near us. And my mom is always like, yeah, like I'm finding all your old toys and they're playing with them. I'm like, oh, cool. And she's like, he loves playing spaceships. And I'm like, what do you mean spaceships? (laughs) There are 1970s Star Wars space like the millennium oh. like the oat yeah oh. like, man speeders, like and i was just like wait where'd you get those and she's like oh we have these boxes and i'm like oh no so oh. uh yeah so a three not a not even three-year-old has been playing spaceships with my mom and crashing them into each other so i'm like all right it's over uh you know i've, I've transitioned into a family person now and uh i no longer <laughs> see value in those things and I just oh, love my family. Wow. <laughs> but also, ah! Oh, that, yeah, that so hurt. That, that was a fun one. <laughs> but I did get to bring, uh, I found a bunch of old Power Rangers stuff. Okay. Um, like uh, Saba, the dragon. The tiger dagger. sword? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like uh, like four other things. So like those are safely in my basement again, which is nice. But yeah. Now, if you ever run into the, uh, the, the Green Ranger, Jason David Frank, um, he he will sign that for you. You'll have to stand in a very very long line to get it because I've seen how how long his lines get at cons. But he'll he'll totally sign that for you and send that value up for you. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so, all right. So 
we we established that we're all in the comics. We're all nerds and stuff. So let, let's talk about the inevitables real quick. So you guys are working on another book together. That's awesome. We 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 we're here for it. We love it. Tell us about the inevitables. Sure. So uh, the 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 inevitables is a music and art project. Um, yes. Essentially, what we're trying to do is creating a world similar to like what the gorillas did. Uh, okay. Someone said Skarillas, which I thought was really funny. Uh, <laughs> so uh, on the music side, um, it's players from Less Than Jake, Real Big Fish, Big D and the Kids Table, Westbound Train, uh, the basis of Jeff Rosenstock. Like it's a bunch of like music legends just kind of hanging out, making cool music. And it was spearheaded by Vinny Fiorello and Obi Fernandez. Um, initially, Vinny came up with the concept, reached out to Obi to work on music stuff. Then they're like, we should expand this. Uh, so they brought Alex from Big D and the Kids Table to do more songwriting stuff. But as they were bringing him on, they brought me along and they were like, Hey, uh, we know you've been writing comics. We've been seeing you post about it. And it was actually Vinny reaching out because he saw, um, I posted like a Facebook thing being like, Hey, I'm sick of being a barista, but having all this cool creative stuff in my life and having to also do this. I feel like there's, you know, a better path I could be on whatever. So he kind of reached out as like a nice little mentor and friend. And like, he's like, here's an olive branch. Do you want to, you know, come on board with us? Um, so it turned into this like wild thing where we would be on these phone calls, talk for hours. Um, and then they were like, all right, and go write a script. So then I like developed all these characters, built this world and it's all, I would bring it to them. And then out of nowhere, they'd come back with these really cool changes. And like, what if this guy does this? What if this person does this? And uh, essentially the story of the inevitables um, it's a group of nobodies who are brought together and they have 40 days to stop the world from ending. Uh, okay. So that's like the super broad strokes pitch. Um, but the way I look at it, it's kind of like, you know, you see like uh, the boys and umbrella Academy and all these like, yeah. group, um, you know, super hero things. Like this is like a straight up ground street level, like in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And it's like, how do a bunch of nobodies actually stop something major from happening? Hey, nice. So like, so and I and I do see that it's based out of Florida because I'm I'm looking at the Kickstarter page for this and there's a character in here that I I, I instantly just fell in love with at the same time and just I just started laughing my ass off when I saw it. Uh, Florida man. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now when you see the words Florida and man put together, a lot of times your mind just goes straight to what the internet is saying about Florida man. Please tell me a little bit about Florida man. So I know that I'm just not being stereotypical and saying that, Oh, he's about to do something crazy as hell. So he is about to do something crazy as hell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so uh, Florida man is a drug dealer and he kind of has his own cool little world in his backyard. Um, and, you know, similar to uh, people I know in real life who sell drugs, you know, they kind of have like this, almost like a mini kingdom that surrounds them. So it's like the people that essentially like go there for their product, but they also kind of worship this person because he gives them the thing they need. Uh, okay. So he's created his own little culture and like his subsect of uh, the area that he's in, in Florida. And it's, it, it shows you too, like uh, a lot of people are like, Oh, drug dealer, bad, you know? And it's like, I know a lot of people that sell drugs and they're fine people. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, weed is weed you know but uh, let's let's be completely honest we all know somebody like like that who's a, a pretty decent person you know it's just absolutely 
This is how they live. It's and, like that that connotation is kind of outdated. And you know, it reminds me like one of my favorite movies is Half Baked. And oh uh, yeah, was it uh, was it Mr. Smiley? Was that the yeah yeah, yeah. the name of the like so like that was kind of my like inspiration for that where it's like he's like claiming Florida man as this ridiculous thing you know so like it's something you can say in passing and no one will know exactly who you're talking about uh so yeah he like and he's one of those people too that I'm so stoked to write on because there's so much like gray area based on perception versus how he really is and you know uh-huh. again this is just going to be issue one to start. Okay, um, but yeah, there's a lot to expound upon. Well, you know, like he's definitely a softy in some sort of a sense because he does have a dachshund. So, oh, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? That's another. And he wears a... cowboy boots. So I, I love what, that trope too. He has cowboy boots. Uh, I'm love... wearing cowboy boots. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love the. I love the trope that like a lot of like drug dealers will have like small pets, like uh, a dachshund or like a teacup poodle or something like that. Yeah, like that's <laughs> that's been that. a long running trope from like Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget with a cat to like Doctor Evil with a a, a hairless cat, you know? Yeah, well, and mm-hmm. I love it too because it's like the least intimidating thing. Like, oh yeah, like they're super loud dogs or whatever. But like my friend is one, and like it just will break its back like every other month because trying to exist is hard for dogs like that. So like that being your security dog is really funny in retrospect. <laughs> Another character, Smoke. Smoke has a really interesting look. This artwork is dope, by the way. I just I just want to say that. Yeah, so the the character designs are by Devin Watson. Mm-hmm. Uh he is this like Vinny found him on Instagram, which A, if you're an aspiring artist or anything, heads up, Instagram works. Yep. Post more on it. Uh so the cool thing is he like took my notes, made this magic stuff. And then when we were like figuring out, like my pick was always Liana. And the second I was like, Hey, now that we have character designs, uh, one of my favorite people in comics also does stuff like this. And I sent it to everyone and they're like, this is crazy. This works perfectly. So uh, the idea was like building a world and a bunch of different facets at the same time. And then like hand delivering it to Liana going, now do your magic so i love uh, stylistically, it so yeah and that's why i'm stoked too because like uh and you know not to take the conversation away from smoke for a second but like liana's style is so rad like the colors she uses like it's ve- it's very hard for an artist to have a thing but like almost immediately liana already did whether she knew it or not which is awesome so we're very happy to have you i did not know that and now i feel very validated thank you <laughs> Also, the rest of the podcast is me trying to make Liana cry or have a spit take. Yeah. All right, we're all right, we're on this. Don't worry, we going I I'm with you all the way on this one. So, Liana, you got to be honest with us. If you start crying or you have a spit take, you got to let us know, okay? And then oh, John, yeah. and then know, wins me. a prize. And the awesome. ideal situation is if you cry enough to where it goes in your mouth, then you have a spit take, and then the podcast just ends right there. There you go. <laughs> Now, so where did you guys, where did you guys get the, where did you guys get the, like the concept? I know we kind of jumped into that a little bit, but like, can you guys kind of expand on how you guys got the concept of the inevitables? So, uh, Vinny Fiorello actually came up with it. The, okay. So he was in Less Than Jake. He also founded the record label Fueled by Ramen, which later yes. went on to have like, like, I mean, he had Fall Out Boy while he was on the label. They also do now like Paramore, 21 Pilots, all this wild, huge stuff. Um, 
So Vinny has always been like treating music like a totally different medium. Uh, so with Less Than Jake, they always had wild merch. They had like lunch boxes. They had Pez dispensers. They did all this like really cool stuff that made them stick out. Uh, so then when he started a label called Paper and Plastic, it was more of an extension of that as well. So he was doing like figurines and cool toys and prints and all this stuff. It was very art heavy. Um, so when he was doing his first music project ever after Less Than Jake, he was like, this isn't going to just be a single thing because I do too many things. Like the same with me, the same with Obi. Like everyone involved is like a very multifaceted person. Right. Liana has two podcasts that are launching soon, you know? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes she skateboards when her body lets her. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, you know, all of us have all of these things going on. And he was like, I want to do a project. I want it called the inevitables. And I want, like he sent me these Nirvana lyrics and he sent me a few other things and he goes, thematically, this is what I want. And then I met that with, well, what if someone, and I kind of like loosely like took it from like a concept of something else I've done in the past where it was like, what if someone could essentially make a cure for death, thus making, you know, death is no longer inevitable. It's this thing that has quote unquote been cured. Um, But then I wanted there to be this awful thing involved with that. So, you know, uh, I recently interviewed someone that's like the CEO of a a major company. And he, without joking, was like, you know, uh, what people want in the world and the things that are uh, most valued, uh, one is uh, technology for transportation. And then the other one is human longevity. And I was like, oh my God, it's happening. (laughs) Like this, this concept's already a real thing. And like, there's like all these tech geniuses that are just trying to make people essentially live forever. And they're slowly figuring out how to do it. Like it's a thing you could just figure out. Um, so the concept for me was like, Hey, what if someone did and they're not letting anyone know the consequences of that? Uh Oh, and you know, the inevitables is now seeing the consequences of that action. Cause it's like the mega wealthy on one side of the bridge, then you cross it and then you see what the rest of the world is like. Exactly. And, and that, Living forever, like, and, and I'm a huge anime fan, and a big trope in anime is like the villain wanting to be immortal and stuff. It just sounds awful, you know, like the whole living forever thing. So, like, and when you when you say that you, you interview someone who said they want to do things for human longevity, it's like, uh, do we really, really need that? Like, I get the appeal, but that's it. It's, it sounds more evil than it should. You know what I mean? <laughs> Liana, do you want to live forever? Um, I was just thinking about the concept of uh, of wealth and wanting to have longevity. And I think that it is more possible when you do have wealth, um, obviously in an economical stance. But I think that it would be nice to share the ability to have longevity with other people. Um, I don't necessarily think that I want that for myself. Like I think it, I, my, one of my, my great grandma lived till she was like 98. So I feel fine with, with my, <laughs> with my uh, path or whatever. But um, one of the reasons why I like this book so much is because it's touching base on all of that. And, you know, the uh, social construct of right. 
rich and poor and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but I grew up in Florida. So like one of the main reasons why I'm so excited to work with Jono and Banana Opie is that they were stoked when they found out that I was from Florida, because I feel like that gives a lot to the project in that, um, you know, environmentally, like I already see it all in my head and I, and Mm -hmm. I really agree with it. And I think that Vinny is also in Florida. So it's kind of cool to, you know, collaborate with people that um, we are not just all, you know, Florida man, uh, you know, (laughs) creators. There's a lot of really rad creators out of Florida. So, and it's nice, like, to have friends that do tease you about it and also utilize it in a way that is, you know, fucking badass. This whole entire concept is amazing. And who knew Jono would write such a cool Florida uh, you know, story. Listen, I used to go to Universal Studios and I just got all my knowledge from that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Jaws just popped Uh, out of the water and we just kept it going. (laughs) I was like, wait a second. Uh, So a a thing I want to touch on too, based on like location. So I'm in Michigan, but specifically I'm near Flint, Michigan. And as you know, if you have a a TV, uh, the Flint water crisis was a major thing. Um, So in 2014 is when it like became national news and there was never actually a resolution for it. No, um, it was not. So for, and for me, a lot of the stuff I do, it's about, and this is like the most like f- coffee shop progressive thing I'll ever say, but it, it makes sense. Like I'm a very, very, very privileged person. And at one point I was working in a coffee shop in downtown Flint, Michigan during the water crisis. And I would watch, a millionaire walk in who owned half the town mm-hmm. and then I would watch two homeless men come in and they wouldn't interact with each other. And one guy would scoff at the other. And all of these people are residents of the same place that probably realistically live a few blocks away from each other. Right. And I would see that every day and I would have to like navigate these really awkward situations where it'd be like, okay, so a homeless guy fell asleep in uh, the cafe. All right. So I have to, politely wake this guy up or call security and have him leave. But I don't know what happens to the guy when he leaves. And then I was like, okay, also this rich guy is being super racist to someone I work with. That sucks. How do I get security to get this? You know? And right. like, it's, it's about like playing with all the gray area of all this stuff and being like, this is all an economic problem. Like it's a, it's a systemic problem because in Flint, if you ever go there, like there, the downtown is a straight, a straight shot street for like, eight blocks there's like police cars there's all this stuff whatever you go anywhere else and it's just a free-for-all whatever zone like historically like we would have like two police officers at one time for the whole city like that's how like poorly funded the whole place was Um, and obviously you know it's a it's a different conversation now but it was also rated the most violent city in america for years so like i would go on tour in these places and people are like dude be careful like we're in Guelph, Ontario. You got, and I'm like, dude, I'm from Flint. Like, uh, right, exactly. <laughs> right. Like, also, <laughs> though, Guelph, Ontario is probably the safest city in all of Ontario, let yeah, alone like, Canada, maybe. <laughs> like someone said that to me when we were walking somewhere and I just started laughing. I'm like, it's called Guelph, dude. Like, sorry. Yeah. It's like it's some literally city. like a farm veterinary like city. It's adorable. Yeah. It's like some city names. <laughs> I know this don't even... My best friend lives there. Yeah, some places just sound like it's like non-threatening. And it's like, all right, dude, whatever. You live in Hercules, California. Nothing's happening there. Relax. 
Yeah. But, <laughs> and then like, is that a real city? That is a real city. It really is. And like city names like that, either you're super rich or you're super poor. If it's named like after Greek gods and stuff like that. Oh my goodness. And it's 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 very middle class, Hercules, California. A lot of call centers. But um <laughs> You know what I always say about Hercules, California? Great call centers. Yeah, exactly. That's great. <laughs> it's like their flag is just like uh it's just a white field with did you turn it off and then on again? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it. Oh um so Actually, I had one of those moments where I legitimately didn't do that and i was so angry when i was like yeah uh yeah i'll try it one second right okay and it works thank you and then i like yeah the phone. <laughs> yeah you hang up just all violently and stuff you're like look man you just made me look like a complete idiot thank you <laughs> no one other than myself and i'm my harshest critic uh-huh yeah so the story so the story itself sounds extremely extremely interesting and i'm and i'm really excited to read it uh, when does it come out? Because I know you guys, the Kickstarter is still live. Yeah, so Kickstarter is going for two more weeks as right. of this recording. Um, and then October with the question mark, um, I think. I don't know. Okay. Something. Yeah. There, so uh, there's a deadline of um, October. And I'm, from what I understand, uh, they have the printer lined up. And that should take, you know, um, a short amount of time before fulfillment from what I think fulfillment is in November. So, okay. Okay. So what was you guys, you know, digital PDFs. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. So what was you guys' favorite part of this project project? Cause it, again, it sounds like you guys had a lot of fun with it. You guys are attached to it. Like being, you know, Liana, you're from Florida. Uh, John, you like, you sound super into this, and I, and I and I love it. Trust me, I do. I, like as an artistic creator and stuff, like to hear people like that into their work, it makes me more excited about it myself. So, what what is what is it about this story that you guys are mostly excited about? I'm gonna answer first, so that way, Jono can't make me cry. And it is that I get to collaborate with Jono. Actually, that's the main reason nice. uh, that I'm most stoked on. I think him and I, you know, weren't robbed of a chance of working together on something, but we were able to collaborate just enough to where it felt like it wasn't a full thing in the past. So it's nice to be able to have like this completed thing to show people of, of how our personalities, you know, and like even with um, Obi and Vinny's kind of shape of everything they're so good about allowing Jono to have this like free space and so because it's kind of like working with a you know working with a friend it's right honestly like dream project right like any chance that I am paid to work with a friend I'm like this is the greatest job in the history of forever um this is you know this is like why I'm living so boom hope you cried I got something in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Jono. So on my end, yeah, I think mine is just the cold hard cash, you know? Like there I do go. comics <laughs> for the bills and that's it. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, next question. <laughs> right? Next um, question. Money. Uh, <laughs> but you know, in a in a serious note, like 
I, I think for me, there's a few parts. Uh, I'll, I'll say there's the overall with an A, B, and a C. Um, the overall being, I'm very excited that I get to work with just an awesome team in general. Um, and people believed in me to ask me to do it in the first place. Uh, that's the A. The B is this is also my first like full length 22 page comic. That's not like part of an anthology or part of a thing or cut short or whatever. Like I finally get to have this nice little milestone in my, uh, my writing resume. So it's not, you know, I, it, it adds a little bit of credibility to the thing I've been building for a while, which very much excites me. And then C, as you all guessed, uh, getting to work with Liana has been a thing I wanted to do for a very long time. Um, you know, I still have like the character design she worked on with me, like in my phone, you know, much to her chagrin. And uh, <laughs> this is from back in the day. Oh, and, no. uh, <laughs> and I just can't wait to threaten her with those one day. Um, you know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's not a nice thing. I'm just going to be super mean and threat. Um, but but like we also did uh, my band Baggage. We did a shirt together. And that was this taste yeah. of where I was like, you know, I don't have to make this a band thing every time. Like, I want this to just be like the thing I wrote and the art Liana did. And like, you know, I'm hoping that like in the future, we'll, that'll, there's going to be a lot more stuff like that, you know, outside of the inevitables as well. Um, but yeah, like th that's just part of the thing where being friends with someone and not for the sake of having a, a connection in a professional sense. So for me, like I, I love accidental networking. And by that, I mean, I just want to be friends with everyone. And I'm devastated right. if people aren't my friend, which is a really healthy, cool thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's healthy. a very, that's oh, yeah. very good for your mental health right there. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> as a perfect mental health person and candidate for perfection. Uh, no. So like, I, I love getting to be a part of the comics community and already just being friends with people. And I legitimately forget that I can work with them. Like that's actually part of this too. It's not just, Hey, we get to talk about whatever stuff or like jobs we've had or, you know, it, it's more of like, Oh, we're all in this together. We all go through the literal same thing. We're getting weird emails from people. We're doing whatever, you know? And like, it's just like when I was doing music stuff or like my friends that are professional wrestlers or stand up comedians, all of us have this creative connection and only we are the people that can truly understand that. Um, and I think that's a super important thing to like keep around you if you can and make sure that like you keep uplifting other people's in the process. I had a long conversation with uh, Marie Inger uh, recently about uplifting other creators and like the whole purpose of being in comics is to surround yourself with other people creating and uplift them and, you know, foster this like, even more passionate creative environment. And so I totally agree with that. That's also, I love that you have a wrestler friend. Who is it? Tell me. I'm Who, me? Yeah. Oh, I have a bunch of wrestler friends. Right, me too. I got a couple <laughs> of them. That's awesome. Yeah. I oh, I can say that uh, you didn't get the intro totally right in that um, I uh -oh. work with AJ Mendez and Amy Garcia uh, for Eastside Saints. And uh, AJ Mendez is my only wrestler friend. So, <laughs> and and you know, fortunately, um, she was just like the uh, 
beginner of the divas revolution in wwe oh yeah and uh was the champion for you know now the second longest reign of all time for a woman champion but you know that trivia aside uh i'm friends with cm punk her husband oh (laughs) see all right well Fine. We just need to all go hang out. It'll be great. I know. Yeah. I'm I'm I can bring my friends the new day and we can be good. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. That's awesome. No, yeah, but like yeah, having pro wrestler friends is the best. Like it really it really is. Cause you get to hear their stories about stuff and them going on the road and all that. And then, you know, sometimes they'll shoot you some t shirts. And WWE t-shirts, and this is a, a tangent. I go off on tangents a lot, so I'm, I apologize for that. But oh, WWE man. t-shirts, I don't know why they're made out of fleece material, but like those are the worst t-shirts in the world to wear in the summertime in Los Angeles. I just want to <laughs> put that out there right now. But uh, so, Also, I'm going to nerd out for a second. Hold on. I'm going to stop you, even though you're hosting this, because this is my show now, baby. Hey. Have, you been to any P- have you been to any PWG events? I, you know what? I was gonna go, and then everything happened in the world. So, like, like it was there. There's a there's a couple events that, um, that I've gone. I've gone to like the last wrestling event that I went to was uh, Wild Superstars, the Women of Wrestling. I have friends who work for oh, that yeah. promotion as well. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it, it's it's hard for me to get out to a lot of like wrestling shows, just mostly due to my schedule and everything that I have to do. But I, I, I've always loved going. I don't like this empty arena shit that they got going on on TV now. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. It's I, I feel so... like, yeah, I, I haven't even like, I'm not even like a sports guy outside of like wrestling, but like, yeah, th- that's the most nerd shit I've ever said. But uh, like, I keep hearing about how there's like just computer animated people, like yeah. people in the crowd and like weird stuff. And I'm like, I don't oh, even want to watch that during a Grizzlies game. It's really weird. Out here, uh, it, in, like, it's real bizarre. Out here in LA, people are actually paying to put cardboard cutouts of themselves into the crowd, and I'm like, that's just—I don't want to watch 1990s video games on TV. That's that just sounds <laughs> super I weird. Mean, I would watch NBA Jam in a heartbeat. That'd be dope. Oh, look! I'm now, now, now you're talking. Now I'll watch NBA Jam all day. <laughs> now, if you can promise me that somebody in the fourth quarter is going to dunk while a ball is on fire and break the rim every game. I'm in there, you know, put in the big head code. Let's do this. But if you can't do that for <laughs> like if Sub-Zero and Scorpion are playing on the team and stuff, that's how old I am. I remember all the codes from NBA Jam. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, but, yeah, it's – it's the but, yeah, I'm a huge, huge into wrestling, huge into comics – uh, as all three of us are, I think we all became best friends listening listening to each other speak. Um, uh, make each other cry, you know, threaten each other just like best friends. Each other, hi, hijack shows, you know, it's all good. You know, we, we got it. You know, I'm, I'm I came in pretty hot, but it's because of the seltzer I've been drinking, and it is wonderful. Hey, I've got a ginger ale right over here, buddy. Don't even trip. Uh, <laughs> We're getting wild. We're getting wild over here. So. Let, let's steer it back. Stagnant flat water, but you know. Oh, I mean that's like halfway of what we're drinking anyway. Halfway, you a, you almost overpriced yeah. bubbly version, right? And you say you're in Memphis, so if you're drinking <laughs> Memphis tap water, then you're gonna get drunk as hell later <laughs> on. So, uh, was that a oh spit take? Gosh. Was that a spit take? 
Oh, that was a cough. Never mind. You're killing her. Anna. <laughs> I was laughing at the seltzer comment. Sorry. Oh, like somebody pat her on the back or something. What's going on over there? Yeah. Uh, Memphis tap water is the best. I don't know if you all know the history of um, where the water comes from, but it's wild. Um, Doesn't it come from the Mississippi River? No, God, it, no! It's, it's it? underneath. It's 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 under um, what's called a. Uh, hold on, let me look it up. Is there an aquifer? Um, I believe so. Uh, I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm. That's why I'm, I'm looking. Saying, it up. Oh, someone yes, will correct us. Thank you. Yeah, someone will no, correct us no, quickly enough. But it's also under layers of. Um, like different types of sands and stuff like that. Um, it's a, uh, what's the word? Tertiary or tertiary? Um, I'm going to sound Tertiary? Like tertiary? Is it tertiary? Yeah. Um, like units and then like there's layers of water. And so it's, I don't know. It's wild. I think it's like one of the weirdest things about Memphis that nobody talks about because the water here is, literally like you know on the opposite of flint which is very unfortunate it's like one of the cleanest oh. best drinking waters well my apologies to I the guess, tap water like, in memphis yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't want anybody from memphis trying to find me on the streets or anything so i'm sorry like, i'll fight you yeah, yeah you get right? drunk on life that's what you get drunk on i know right <laughs> sorry memphis people listening mm. to this show your tap water is beautiful uh, <laughs> Did either of you watch the Zac Efron water episode? No, I haven't seen any of those yet. Oh, there's a whole entire one hour episode about water. So I highly recommend. I only bring it up because I didn't realize like the contents of your drinking water are so important. And a lot of bottled water is apparently bad. So, Oh, yeah. I, I, host a conspiracy, I host a conspiracy theory show. And that's actually that's actually on one of my episode lists is to talk about like water and, and what's good and bad. Do you have guests? For you. I would like to join. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, I, I have your email, so I'll, I'll totally get on you with that for real. Excellent. You uh, can so, be on one of my two podcasts. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so let's let's swing it back to comics. I, I think because we, we've gone on some nice tangents, and this is part of the show, so don't even trip on that. Um, so growing up reading comics and stuff, and, and even now, like let, let's 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 go with now. Who are some of you guys' favorite characters now in comics? I really like Gerard Way's Doom Patrol and the characters that were added. I think. Um, and I also really love, um, all the girls in Paper Girls, obviously. Oh, Paper Girls. Like, very in-depth, like, character, uh, and stories. And I also love, um, like, in Crowded, both, uh, of the main characters, it's Vita and, um, Shoot, what's her name? Both of those characters are also wonderful. <clears throat> oh, uh, yeah, paper. If we're just talking characters wise, yeah. Jono, I think that 
That's what I'm gonna name. Yeah, Jono. Um, Liana has drawn that. me into several comics, so I love myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you I'll know like what? That's that. Like a, that leads me into my next thing. But keep going, Jono. We'll, 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 we'll... Yeah, like <laughs> you know, like once in a while, I will get a panel from Liana. She's like, "Hey," and I'm like, "Yep." Uh, and then I, you know give her my Venmo and then she sends me the allotted amount so she could have my likeness. Um, <laughs> as far as uh, like characters and stuff like that, uh, I am a huge Jeff Lemire fan and uh, Black Hammer has just been kicking my ass. Um, and I, I love adding, like, I love that it's like a, a satire of superhero tropes, but like, there's also this like intense darkness going on. Um I love a lot of Ed Brubaker stuff and just the way he writes anyone is super great. Uh, I was talking to my friend Hagai earlier about how Bad Weekend was just so damn good. And all it is is just a few issues of Criminal, which I wasn't already reading, but I bought like the hardback, uh, like graphic novel version of it. Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, you know, and as Liana mentioned earlier, like I'm just a sucker for Hawkeye, the character. Um, because like anyone who's like kind of dumb but stuff works out it's really yeah. relatable and i love it yeah <laughs> big mood though because kate bishop is also one of mine on my list so that oh yeah that says a lot about us like as, and uh, friends and kelly thompson's run on that like that's what oh, we we're talking about so too good. like like i love that it's more like peppy snark and like it's such a good like yin and yang to uh clint barton hawkeye and especially when they're like Matt Rosenberg's run of Hawkeye was super rad too. So, you know, there's, there's these certain characters and like, like it all goes back for me to Spider-Man and Peter Parker, um, which is the most obvious thing. But like, as someone who is like working in like, you know, journalism and doing whatever things, but then trying to like do the right thing at the same time, you know, I really related to just how accessible it was and everything about Spider-Man. Also, just having to make dumb comments all the time, you know, based on this podcast that you're hearing now, uh, I relate to that as well. Nice. Yeah. Like my characters, they kind of shift every little bit, but what the one consistent one has um, been Nightcrawler from the X-Men. I've always kind of like gravitated towards him because he was like one of the X-Men who was just like, he's obviously a mutant. So like, all right, I can gravitate towards him besides like all the other like people on the team who could just blend in in natural society. Um, Mm -hmm. Also I, with the with season two of umbrella Academy just coming out, I finally got myself into the comics of it. Uh, I I was, yeah, the comics of it are really good. However, my only, and we talked about this on, we did an episode on umbrella Academy last week and the pacing of the book versus the show is completely different. Like in the book, it's oh, like yeah. in the book, it's like, hey, Vanya's got powers now. This issue one, page three, she's got powers right now, and it's all, all drawn out in the show and stuff. If you read volume one, you essentially like sort of know most. I mean, right. not all of season two, but and like you lead up yeah. a little, yeah. And it's 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 two different stories, which is which is what I really like because it's like okay, now that I'm done with the show and I can't wait till the next season comes out, I can read these comics, which are completely different stories altogether, and still get a certain idea yeah. of what's going to come up next. So that's always cool. And from that, um, number five and um, Klaus are are my shit. 
from the Umbrella Academy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Especially and, and oh, if yeah. and, and if I can choose another character, I would say Klaus's wardrobe from season two. <laughs> yes. well, that is the character. Because <laughs> like the wardrobe that he had on in the promo materials, I was like, oh wow, I need to get that. That's that's a, that's a nice little Shirwani jacket he got on. So. Uh, so. so one thing that I thought of too, I um, so I love the Preacher comics. Oh yeah, I listened to uh, an interview with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, and they were talking about pacing for adaptations and stuff. And they were like, it doesn't matter it, even if you have several trades, because you know on average a comic is ten minutes to read, right? Yep. So if you have to create, uh, I mean now like the standards like ten episodes or whatever, like Umbrella Academy style. Yeah. Uh, you know it's hour long episodes that are ten, right? So that's so much more than the content that's there. So you have to like really stretch stuff out. So what they try and do, uh, so umbrella Academy, I haven't read the comics, which I, that's like on my bucket list of, you know, my 50 stacks next to my desk. Um, like the, they have to like really play the slow game in case a walking dead happens to where it gets picked up for like, yeah, 50 seasons. Right. Because what if there is a thing where the comic just stops out of nowhere or whatever? Um, you know, obviously, like whoever's doing the show, the showrunner and all that, like they'll t- handle stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting seeing the pacing because I get angry when I'm like, why did you why did this take so long? Why are you stretching it out? And then I'm like, oh, because as someone who did not So, for example, I watched the show Preacher. Season one was really strange for me because it was like a prequel to the first issue, which I right. didn't expect to happen. Um, but then Umbrella Academy, I haven't read the comic. So I was like, this is the best. And then, you know, hearing like I have some friends that have gripes with it or whatever, but I'm like, dude, I don't enjoy things and I love the show. So, you know, th- whatever they're doing, I love when you could have two alternate versions of the same thing and they exactly. both exist in different mediums. It's the same thing with the boys because the boys, the show versus the book are completely different as well. Yeah, it is like some of the same elements involved, but. Those are two different things. I have never read the comic, but that show rips. It is so good. In the comics, it's like yeah. way more out there than the show is. The show is toned down from the comics, if you if you can believe that. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I love dark. it. <laughs> like the sh- like the show is really toned down. Like people are like, oh, the show is really dark. I'm like, you want to read a couple pages of this shit? Because <laughs> it gets real. Garth Ennis ain't was playing it, around. I was about to say, like, I love that that's their second property with him. And, like, I almost feel like Preacher was, like, practice for that. Because uh-huh. the second I was watching that, I was just like, dude, this show is just so, like, polished. And it, it's very uncomfortable the whole time, which I absolutely love. Like I, like, I was talking to someone about how Doom Patrol, Umbrella Academy Season 1, and the boys were all happening around the same time. And I was like... I don't want to get like an ensemble cast of like unexpected superheroes. Like, like they're the underdog. Like I I didn't want to get burnt out from that, you know? And then the boys at first, I was like worried it was going to happen. And by the end of season or episode one, I was like, Oh, that's what they're like. That's what they're doing with this, you know? Right. Okay. So the inevitable that's going to come out sometime this fall, uh, Kickstarter is going up really well. Uh, anything else you guys want to tell us to like get us into it? Because I, I'm I'm definitely gonna get a copy as well. But 
for our listeners, what else can you guys tell us to get us into the the inevitables? Besides the um, banging soundtrack, because the song for Lauderdale is the shit, by the way. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a bunch of other cool stuff happening where, like, they're doing a, a dub 7-inch. Um, oh, nice. So if we get, if we get to 35,000, uh, which, A, is holy crap, I can't believe <laughs> that's even an, an option. Um, they're doing a flexi disc, and I don't know if you're familiar with those, oh, but it's yeah. like... Yeah. yeah, like essentially like plastic record. Um, and they're doing the dub seven inch that way, which is super interesting. And then uh, we already have like an alternate cover um, from Brian Ewing that we're going to be doing. And yeah, so the, the best bet, if you're looking for anything Inevitables related, just go to Kickstarter, type in the Inevitables and more than enough information's there. Um, and we're also on our personal socials, you know, posting like supplemental stuff as well. We're also going to post the link to the Kickstarter in the show notes for the podcast as well. So if you guys can scroll down, click on that, toss them a couple dollars. You might get some good ass prizes, man. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm excited about this. So, um, with that, you guys got anything else you guys want to throw in before we land this plane? I'm excited about the inevitables because I feel like that's a big part of my year and like to be able to get to see that come to fruition and like have that happening, you know, during a time like this has been great, especially like collaborating with all of them. Keep an eye out, I guess, for I actually co-wrote a thing for TKO um, with Joe Corallo and Paul Azaceda was on art. That short is coming out later this year and it's going to be printed. So I feel like my rest of the year is like going really well. And then my next series, I'm going to be working with um, Lisa Sterl and Matt Ehrman. And it just feels like my entire year is filled with friends and I love it very much. And I'm glad John is a part of it. That's awesome to hear because um, this year has been rough. This has been the longest month of March ever. Uh, yep, yep. It really, it really <laughs> has. Like, shit, it's March. Like, right? Yeah, yeah. Because like most of the time, I don't even know what day it is and shit. So it's, it's weird. Let, 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 one quick question before we go, because Jono, you brought this up a little bit earlier. How often do you guys insert yourselves into your own works? Like, like you just draw yourself in like the background of a book or something like that. Oh, I never do it. I always draw friends first. Oh, okay. Jono's actually in three of my books, I think. Is it three? I think there was one where I had long hair. Yeah. And then I was like mopping or something, that's I think. The, yeah, that's the <laughs> unannounced thing that's coming out later yeah. this year. And then, and then <laughs> Inevitables, I'm already in there. <laughs> I think then, you're uh, in She Said Destroy, too. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'll have to check. It's hard I, to, I gotta hard update to my track. IMDb. I I do love being drawn into comics, though. I've been drawn, I think, twice. Once by Elizabeth Bales, who did virtually yours with uh, Jeremy Holt, some of our friends. Okay. Um, I am clearly in the background with another one of our friends, Aviva. And that's like one of the highlights of my year this year as well. And I think that I was also drawn by Jen St. Onge who did like the Nancy Drew books and stuff like that once um, a while back. And I might be missing another one, but these are like, I mean, I love that. It's one of my favorite things to do. And so when a creator is like, Oh, I'm just going to throw Leon in there. It's like the best thing ever. But since I have to Venmo Jono every time I have to use, you know, (laughs) I can use his likeness. It's pretty difficult to insert him in every book. So 
And the thing with me, as far as like writing, you know, my friends into books, um, I specifically in the inevitables have a thing that says, Liana is not on this page and I have it in bold and it's like oh, every wow. panel description. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's just like, you know, check yourself before, you know, you wreck my comic as they always yeah. say. Ego. I it's like right at the top of the panel. Liana is not to be on this page in any form. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I'm doing my stuff, like down the road, people be like, Hey, a uh, question. Um, you don't have the, the panel counts for each page, but you have uh, this disclaimer about someone named Liana. Uh, <laughs> Like in the release back matter, people are like, who is this? Like, who is this? <laughs> is this another person, like a, an unnamed character? <laughs> what? Like, these are all really like oddly threatening scripts you have in the back matter. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I just like keeping the artist in check. Like, it's like the writer artist <laughs> relationship. Nice. Amazing. But yeah, I, I don't write myself into comics because, um, you know, I already, I already have my, my brain uh spread on too many things within those so i feel like it would be too self-indulgence if i tried to write something like that all right all right so put me in the background (laughs) all right so before we get out of here where can where can the listeners find you guys like on your what what are your socials tell us john you want to go first no do you want to go first sure uh all right so i'll go first so uh you can find me (laughs) uh john odiner uh, it's J-O-N-O-D-I-E-N-E-R. Uh, I am on Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> I love that I'm still getting <laughs> Uh And then my site's johnodiner.com. Uh, I have a bunch of comics I've done already on there. And uh, some of the, like, my personal self-published stuff, um, I did a comic called Jetpack Zack with my friend Miranda Ireland. And then I did Monster Bounty with my friend Matt Emmons. Monster uh, Bounty rips. Y'all got to buy that. Hell yeah. And it's on my site, johnodiner.com. Um, and then I am also in the upcoming, maybe someday from Wave Blue World. And I am currently working on uh, about 200,000 comic pitches right now. So you'll be seeing those soon. Hit your boy up. He available to write. <clears throat> um, yeah. You can essentially find me everywhere kind of like Jono. Actually, my website is Jono. Dinner.com. So, uh, but it's mispronounced. Yeah. Um, all, all of my social Twitter, Twitch actually, um, my Twitch is pretty active now. And Instagram is all at Liana Kangas, L I A N A K A N G A S. And yeah, I post a lot of work in progress stuff. But if you ever wanted to see more or like know more about, um, you know, making comics process or anything like that. I have a Patreon that has a really close knit community called the Turbud crew and they all hang out on discord and I just share, you know, anything they ask, you know, I share like what's going on with publishers or like, you know, within NDA, um, you know, rights or whatever. Um, and sometimes share sneak peeks to like projects and things like that. So, um, and it's a very supportive and like very positive welcoming community uh, if you ever felt like you wanted to meet people in and or adjacent to comics, I highly recommend. And I am very honored that they are all in it. They're wonderful people. All right, cool. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. I want to thank everybody who tuned in today and especially our guests, Liana Kangas and John O'Diener. Uh, 
Thanks for being here with us today. I truly appreciate it. If you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter by using the handle Temple of Geek. If you want to check out some of our other episodes and shows, head on over to templeofgeek.com. You'll find all sorts of content that pertains to all the world of geek. Uh, once again, Liana, Jono, thank you guys so much for being on the show. I had a good-ass time talking to you guys, so I, I hope we could do this again with future projects. Uh, when the Inevitables releases, I totally want to have you guys back on the show, too, if that's cool with you guys. Hell yeah. All right. Oh, you didn't bring up the Bono thing. <laughs> oh, we still, we, still on the, we still on the air, so don't even worry. We can bring up the Bono thing. Oh, so, <laughs> so before the show, right, I, I like to get on and, you know, get everybody's intros together and find out how people want their names pronounced, because... I hate when people mispronounce anyone's name. Um, and Jono's last name looks like it could be either Diner or Diner. Uh, just like a fancy way of saying Diner or like a Diner in like a really bad horror movie or something like that. Uh, okay, watch it, buddy. What? It, I li- <laughs> First, that's not a bad thing. I like bad horror movies, okay? I watched Leprechaun in the Hood the other day. So, uh, <laughs> so it's a good Diner. In a bad horror movie, so let's let's establish that. It, the, the, they got an A plus on their food um, safety check. Don't worry, they have an A in their window from the health department. Okay, you can continue. Thank you. There you go. So, so I asked John, oh, I'm like, how do you pronounce your last name? He's like, Diener. He's like, just think of Bono, and he's a wiener. And I'm like, dude, I fucking hate Bono, so I love that. So I've never, I have not mispronounced his name since he said that. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> I guess now's a bad time to tell you both that I love you too. Boom. Look, you're, you're, hey, we, we love you too. Yeah. That's what she meant. All right. You're allowed. To, you're, you're allowed to listen to you too. That's fine. We all listen to crappy music. No, That's, it's not what she meant. It was Y O U T W. She loved both And we love you too, Liana. Aww. And Bono's a winner. All right. Alright, thank that's you. Your new tagline. <laughs> that's that's how I'm ending every show from now on. In bottles of wiener. Alright, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit TempleofGeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.